just found out you're paired with Rory tomorrow. What's your reaction to that? Are you serious? We're gonna have a good time. Now on the tee from California, PGA professional, Michael Block. Sharing your every move. The hero's welcome at the first tee for Michael Block. A top 15 finish today. We'll give him an invitation to next year's PGA Championship at the 15th. story. I'm in New York City. I'm in Los Angeles. And I'm in the, the great Midwest, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Very nice. I yeah. was just in Milwaukee like uh, two weeks ago. I know. Yeah, I saw you were you were up at uh, up at Whistling. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Was that your first time out there before? It, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I loved it. I had a great time. What's your takeaway from, from Midwest golf? Well, I grew up in St. Louis in Iowa, so I'm, oh, I'm yeah. very used to it. Yeah. But I love Black Wolf. I love that. You know, obviously I like Whistling a lot. Um... A lot of intimidating Pete Dye looking shots there, but yeah, it was cool. I, I enjoy the people there the most. So the Midwest nice is real for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> As you without know. a doubt. <laughs> well, Michael, Mike, Block, Blocky, group golf therapy. We're sort of the intersection of golf and mental health, golf and the mind game. There's no shortage of conversation, I feel like, with you on this topic, just given the year that you've had. There's a very obvious place to start. But I think what interests us maybe more than the week of the 2023 PGA Championship at Oak Hill is almost more the weeks after the PGA Championship. Yeah, You had this meteoric rise in the collective consciousness of so many people so quickly. It strikes me that we're in an age, unfortunately, where we're so rarely accustomed to seeing overnight sensations being made for doing any good, for being positive. <laughs> And mm -hmm. I think you provided such an unbelievable exception to that trend and showing up to this tournament, not as a touring professional golfer, but as sort of an everyman type of person. And you gave the entire world of golf, the entire world of sport, so many reasons to smile that week. I'm wondering to sort of kick us off here. Can you describe the weeks after you're leaving Oak Hill as the dust starts to settle from, again, such a monumental rise in your exposure to the world, what was going through your mind and body on an emotional level? Even today, I'm still just, it's so strange for me to walk from here to the restaurant and random people want their photos with me. And that <laughs> still doesn't even make sense to my brain on that. You know, it was tough, you know, the next week at Colonial, because all of a sudden I felt like I had the whole world watching me, even though they were at, there was no expectations at Oak Hill, right? And so I'd say one of the biggest factors mentally um, in life and really in golf is expectation level. You know, you want to have expectations to play well and to do well, to shoot low. Yet at the same time, how do you do it without putting too much pressure on yourself, right? And so all of a sudden I went from Oak Hill I made the cut and I had my two, basically my last couple of goals in golf uh, done as far as making the cut and being the low club professional. So my, my weekend was like just the most perfect weekend at Oak Hill because I had no pressure. Um, I, I had those two, I was going to be on the, on the main green on Sunday on 18 with the winner, no matter what happened, whether I shot 80, 80 or 70, 70. Um, so that was what I had there. And I haven't had that really since. You know, obviously I go to uh, the next week, what you're talking about in uh, Colonial and all of a sudden expectation levels are just unbelievable from what everyone, it's like everyone kind of forgot that I was just still a club pro that works and does it. I'm just because I finished 15th in a, in a major didn't automatically turn me into a tour pro. Right. So that's been the toughest thing for me, you know, playing there and playing the RBC, both of them, I just started off bad, um, 
just an expectation level that I'm trying to deal with now, trying to realize who am I right now and like what kind of golfer am I? Yes, I did compete against the best players in the world, but I'm still not one of the best players in the world. <laughs> I've always had this thing on the mental side where all the way up to this club professional level, I felt very, very confident and, and I've succeeded pretty well in that level and below. But as soon as I would get to tour events, my expectations of me now being a tour player were very difficult on my game. And finally, you know, what happened at Oak Hill, I was able to somehow bring that game that I've had in the past and against club professionals to a big stage, which was really, really cool. And, uh, yeah, my brain has still not comprehended what's going on, even though we're over three months past it. I'm still replying to emails. I still haven't gotten back to every single person, which I'm going to. Um, wow. But I still, you know, I try to do a couple hundred a day, but it's just unbelievable. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's been cool. It's 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 something that I never in my life thought would happen, but it did. Can you um, point to a moment, whether it was in transit from Oak Hill to your next uh, at Colonial, where you maybe took a deep breath and you were like, holy shit. Like, can you can you unpack that with us a little bit yeah pretty pretty crazy i mean mentally it's uh it was such a whirlwind at oak hill and the fans and just you know all the high fives and all you know everything going on there my brain was just going absolutely nuts and just on this like cloud of insanity where every single morning i'd wake up and i literally we've all done it you know um you did something special the day before or whatever might you got a raise or you got a new job or whatever it is you shot the lowest round of your life you wake up and you're just like, is this really happening right now? Yeah. You know, and and it keeps on happening over and over and over for me. And now I've been in more golf tournaments since then and whatever else. And uh, <clears throat> one of the cool things I'm, I'm really trying to take from my experiences and be like, hey, you know, you made that putt on 18 at, at, at Oak Hill. And now when I just played in the tournament here in the last couple of days here in the locally, you know, I'm over 10, 12 footers and that's all I'm thinking about, right? And the mental part of it, as as you guys know, obviously in golf is uh, insane. And I'm still just trying to keep my brain, my wavelengths up here with this confidence for as long as I can. Even though I shot an 81 at uh, Colonial, it wasn't surprising to me. You know, I, I kind of knew I was going to do that. I thought I was going to do it on Saturday or Sunday with Rosie or Rory, but I did it, you know, <laughs> five days later with uh, Min and uh, Pearson. But uh, yeah, the, the the ups and downs have been insane in my head uh over the last three months yeah and like you said the window of confidence versus expectation confidence is a great thing in golf you can feel like mm -hmm. oh, i'm just pouring these putts in i'm hitting every <laughs> single spot that i want to and and other days you feel the exact opposite knowing how to manage your mentality given the type of confidence or expectations that you're feeling is that's the trick of it. That's the whole, if we all knew how to do that, we'd all be on tour. And right. so I guess I'm wondering if there are, as you've now had more and more of these experiences, if you've found any tricks or methods or devices mentally to get yourself into that window in a healthy way that, <laughs> that make you feel confident, but not overzealous. So I've lived my whole life with the mantra of, um, I try to do everything I can to make the hole look bigger. Mm. Um, and kind of like what you're talking about, I do everything from at home, you know, um, with my family to my business, to who I hang out with, to what I eat, to what I drink, to, um, what I wear. I mean, everything about it is what can I do? So when I do go out to the golf course, um, I have that mentality that the the hole does look bigger than sometimes, you know, sometimes you go play some golf course where they cut the hole really poorly and it's bent over and it does look like it's been cut in 10 days and that hole just looks small no matter what. Right. And then you go play in a tour event. I've always told everybody, I go to, you go play in a tour event, how good those greens are and how good they cut them. Mm. The hole automatically does look about a half an inch bigger right. than it does at a normal public golf course, which is really cool. I love it. You know, I go to That's those, awesome. I'm like, you know, and <laughs> I even mess with people all the time. They, you can ask them. Um, I go play in tournaments. I'll be on that putting green, like at a, at a local club professional type of thing. And I'm like, man, this are the holes bigger here, guys? I mean, I literally like I'm, <laughs> I mess with them when I'm on the putting green, and uh, <laughs> and 
I, I really do do everything. You know, obviously I've been using the same putter for over 20 years because of, I love the feel and the touch. Wow. It's an ugly putter, but just how it feels and touch. I, it's like my friend, it's like a, a piece of my, of my arms and Ooh. it's not something where I switch ever because you start to lose the feel and the trust. And, um, yeah, so I literally from practicing, from alignment, from making sure that your alignment's correct to making sure that the golf ball that you're using feels good off that putter. And it feels like you're, you're underhand rolling it and you're not overhanding it. Mm -hmm. I always talk about people, you know, just try to feel like you're under, you know, you're, you're rolling a ball underhanded rather than over. And you're gonna have so much more feel to it when you're chipping and you're putting. But yeah, I base my whole life around golf. And the biggest thing for me is how do I make the hole look bigger? And I'm actually kind of writing a, a book on something in that mantra of how do you make the hole look bigger, mm. which is what I want to do. That's cool. I, um, I've never heard it, heard it put quite like that, but how else does that show up in your life though? Like I, obviously it's a, it's a golf reference, right? Like do everything you can to make the hole look bigger, but I'm, I'm sure there are other applications like, how else does that show up maybe in family or, or your work? So if I get in a fight with my wife before I go play, I'm always just like, you know, that's not a good thing. I, I want to be on good terms with my wife. I want to uh, know my kids are good. I know where they're at. I know they're healthy. I've got a great relationship with my friends and my parents. And I know that here at the club, which is a huge thing, that it's running smoothly when I'm not there. I'm gone for a week mm -hmm. or two weeks at a time, especially lately. If I didn't have such a great staff, I don't think I'd play as good because I'd be so worried about losing my job because this course isn't going to be doing very well. Mm. And then I'm not going to have a job. And if I don't have a job, then I'm definitely not going to play good golf because <laughs> now I'm putting too much pressure on myself because I don't have a paycheck anymore. And I got to go find a job. So all of a sudden, it's like this whirlwind tornado. If everything's in place, I feel so good. And I feel so good to go play golf, you know, because I learned a long time ago, I didn't want to go play professionally where I had to put so much pressure on myself to pay the bills for me to have a house and a family. Yeah. I knew that I wanted to go run a golf club and have a check. And then I was able to, because of the PJ America, be able to go play in tour events as well. And now it's just like this perfect storm of family time, golf course, club time, running a club. And then I'm, I'm adding a lot of playing, you know, on the tour. Well, still seeing my family. So it's it's a good combination. Just now you just said that you didn't have that ambition to play on tour professionally because of the the house of cards kind of nature of that profession. It's a lot of pressure week in, week out. Since the PGA Championship this year, you have also said that you have no ambitions to go out and join the PGA Tour as a full-time uh, touring pro. Many people, I feel like if they were handed that degree of exposure, would milk it for all that it's worth and put their hat in the ring to go compete on the biggest stage every week. I'm I'm wondering why you have drawn a line as resolutely as you have that that is not the future for you. Yeah, no. Especially right now on the PGA Tour, even if I go out there and I play great, I'm just, you know, I'll make a couple cuts here and there. You know, I've I've played in 27, 28 combination PGA Tour events and major championships and I think I've made five cuts yeah outside of what i made it at oak hill i think the whole combination was like thirty-five thousand dollars in the first four cuts i live in orange county orange county california um <laughs> and it's expensive here uh, i need to have a job and, and whatever else and i don't want to go out there chasing cuts i mean if yeah, i was yeah. naturally talented enough to go out there and be a top 100 player in the world i would sold myself if i if i knew i had that talent to be top 100 player in the world i'd go do it i know that i'm not with what I have. And so I, if I'm, I don't want to be that guy that's a corn fairy tour, corn fairy tour, corn. That's, I think that's where I would have been. I would have been over there and then here and then never have a, a steady spot, you know? And so I learned that early. Thank God. I think way too many people, you know, go way too long and way too old, um, struggling and trying to be a tour player. I mean, I think you've got to put a deadline on it. I mean, there's got to be a certain age and a certain time frame where even if people are still wanting to sponsor you and give you all this money, it's like you shouldn't do it. I mean, you're starting your life. You're starting what is going to be because you're not going to make it at that point. It's you're starting your second life 
uh, of business or whatever it's going to be or teaching or getting into insurance or whatever it is, you're starting it too late. You know, I don't want to start all that stuff in my mid thirties. Mm. You know, I wanted to make sure that I started what I'm doing here in my, in my twenties. And I, and I, and I knew early, I mean, that I was not going to be good enough. Like I said, to uh, be a full-time PJ tour player. That shows mm. incredible awareness to have the resolve to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Like get rid of the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. you have a deadline. <laughs> like there's, you know, shit's got to happen. Like you got to pay your rent. You got, you have a family. There's real consequences to people chasing your dreams. Right now, things, a lot of things are happening for you. A lot of things coming at you. Um, do you ever take time just for yourself now to go and enjoy golf the way that you learn to play it like really what i'm asking and we usually save this question for the end of the episode but um your your core golf memory right the thing that stuck with you the thing that pushed you maybe to get this certification to become a pga pro like how often do you get to revisit that part of you right now for a while there i didn't now my wife loves golf so i I get to kind of go out there and just play casual fun golf every once in a while which i didn't play casual fun golf for 15 years you know it's always money games or tournaments right and it's always pressure 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 and sometimes i mean i love just getting out there early in the morning you know by yourself and that's i think it's the best time to play or late in the afternoons but i mean i it's 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 just been with my family like with my boys i'm my favorite thing to do now is to go out there and watch my boys play Mm. you know i think that's that brings me back to when I was a kid and, and, um, I just love helping them, watching them. Um, that's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, you know, uh, it's very rare now that I get to go just play golf, you know, which is kind of a bummer. And uh, everyone's, every time I teed up, everyone's like, Oh, what are you going to shoot? What are you shooting? What are you shooting? And I, I, I don't like, you know, I, I understand in a tournament, but I mean, when I'm going to go out and just play a casual round of golf, I just kind of want to mess around and on purposely hit it out of bounds, you know, a couple of times on the first one and be like, okay, go, you know, you purposefully um, hit it out of bounds before to, to bring yourself back down to earth. No, I mean, <laughs> no, I, I, I actually, I was on an episode of uh, a show here with, you know, where we were playing this match not too long ago. And my, and I, my son was on my team and he just hits it 360 over this Canyon and we're playing a scramble. So I literally, I hit it like 10 feet in front of me. And I'm not going to beat that. Yeah. I said, let's move on. We asked this question to everyone on the show. If you had an opportunity to play a round of golf with a younger version of yourself, what do you think the conversation on the course would look like? It's just you and him and not even necessarily the advice that you would give him, but what, what would the conversation be about? Right now, you're going to go. You're not going to believe what's going to happen to you and 37 years, you know, um, yeah, I would say just keep, keep loving the game as much you love it because the game's going to give it back to you. You know, the game I've, I've loved golf since I was a little kid. I have always had a golf pro parking sign over my, <laughs> my bed since I was like, gosh, six, seven years old. That's been over my son's bed. Yeah. I mean, when I was 10 years old, I, I was the one that my parents would drop me off at the, at, at the golf course in the morning and you'd have to pry me out of there, you know? 30 minutes after it was dark because I could literally take a golf ball and go to a short game area for eight straight hours and, and have a big smile on my face and just chip around all over the place all day long. And that's just, I have that passion for it. You know, um, I would also told him don't play any of the other sports. Um, that I did, <laughs> I wish I would have grinded a little bit harder at golf because I played baseball. I actually quit. I, I was playing tons of tennis and in middle school and high school, I only played my senior year of, of golf. Um, in wow. high school. So I wasn't recruited out of high school for, for golf. So I would have loved to been highly recruited out of high school and golf and gone to a big D one school, um, around that team and that practice facility in the center, that could have been a big, big difference for mm-hmm. me personally on my, in my game. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which I, I feel like I missed out on because I was playing these other sports. I would say at the age of 12, you pick out, if you want to be a D1 athlete, unless you're insanely uh, athletic at everything, I would pick out one, that one sport that you have that passion for where when you go practice, it isn't practice, it's love. And, uh, I would have done that. Yeah. Where'd you get the parking sign? My parents, 
So I, Hank Stukart, the pro at my club, he had this like glow. He had a sign where he parked. He literally had golf pro parking sign. I told my parents about it and my parents ended up getting it. And uh, yeah, it's, I, we still have it to this day. I mean, that's 42 years later. Yeah, funny. Is Hank still with us? Uh, no. Oh. No, that was in Iowa where I, I learned how to play golf on an island in the Mississippi River <laughs> called the Rock Island Arsenal Golf Club that is in the Quad Cities where they play the John Deere. There's an island that has a golf course that was absolutely awesome golf course. Um, yeah, and uh, that's where I learned how to play golf on an island in Mississippi River. All right, we wow. gotta go. We gotta pull up. Yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not too that's not too far from me. I could I could make it. Down yeah, there. You right. Could, you could haul down there <laughs> tomorrow. I'm now instantly fascinated. Like, what was it about the head pro mm-hmm. position that you gravitated towards? Like, why why do you think? And now you were a head pro. Like, what what do you think it was? If you can reflect back on that time as a kid. Kids don't necessarily always gravitate towards uh, uh, people in positions of power or, uh, you know, people with authority. Where do you think that came from in you? He was dressed to the nines, looked so good. Everything was finely pressed. His hair was perfect. He talked to everybody. He had this big personality. He talked to everyone. He'd be on the range saying hi to everybody. I mean, just, I don't know, everything about him was just so so cool. And, Mm. you know, it's almost how... Everyone dressed in the pants. Like I always loved it. I didn't. I didn't wear shorts playing golf until I think college because all my junior events. I said I want to. I want to dress like a pro. Wow. Um, so I never wore shorts uh, uh-huh. to play golf. I loved shorts everywhere else. But when I was playing golf, I wore pants uh-huh. um, because I just loved that. I loved the look. I loved the professional look. And I think it's all because of Hank back in the day. And there's a couple other Dwayne. Pritchard was his other one in St. Louis. Same kind of thing. Now I look back at it, kind of like this slick back hair and the, you know, the gel in this area and all everything else. And uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was cool. Wow. I love that. <laughs> yeah. How do you think you carry those guys with you now? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, I think I just kind of, as a, as a head pro, you've got to be, uh, you got to be a social butterfly, right? you got to be okay with saying hi to everybody, which is something I am. I just, I love talking to people. So like when I was at Oak Hill and, I'm talking to people like, I love talking to volunteers. I love talking to the kids. I love giving high fives. So that was just all natural. That's just what a club pro does. That's like our job, you know? Um, and it's not on purpose. Because like I talked about earlier, if you have to try to do it on purpose, you're not probably going to be good at it. Hmm. That's just me being me out there. That's why, I mean, I love this place. You can go, I'll, I can open up that door and go talk to 10 different people right now. And, you know, some people like to talk to people and some people don't. And it's just, if you don't like to, if, you're not, if you don't like to be social, don't get in the golf business. <laughs> true true <laughs> i don't know man like there some of the some of the touring pros don't seem the most social and i think that is one of the things that drew the golf world to you during the pga championship was yeah in the face of all of this attention these cameras these interviews you're a real fucking person you're a human with emotion letting it flow and you're smiling and joking and sometimes crying and and i think <laughs> there was something there that all of us looked around collectively and we're like wait a second we're, we're seeing a golfer succeed right now and they're a normal person and there's no yeah. shade on you know regular week in week out touring pros but a lot of them keep that stuff in um and I'm I'm wondering if if you can speak to that sort of where that that willingness and freedom for you to let it all flow out where that comes from. Well, I mean that I, that's me just living an absolute dream, right? <laughs> I mean, I would have paid I would have paid a million dollars just to be there to have that experience that I had. Um, I mean, that was just like a it was like I was waking up having the best day of my life over. It was like Groundhog Day for a week straight, mm-hmm. you know. In my practice rounds, Cam Smith asked to play with us. Or I mean, Cameron Young. Cameron Young. Um, I'm playing with another club pro, Kenny. And Cameron Young is like, hey, can I join you guys? And I'm like, okay, that's cool that Cam just asked to play with us. And uh, he played with us. And then Justin Thomas actually came out. He chipped on every green with us as we with Mike because I know Mike is dad and we go out and he cruised with us for nine holes. And then Tommy Fleetwood came out with us on the Wednesday. So I, I was already happy camper Monday through Wednesday playing practice rounds. And then 
you know, I got a great pairing with uh, Hayden Buckley and Taylor Pendrith, two of the nicest guys on the world for Thursday and Friday. And we all played pretty well. And we we're having a blast. We're talking, very social. Two great guys that we were talking down the fairways. Um, you know, and then I had Rosie, who's one of the nicest humans in the world, who, really cool thing on Rosie, he, I three putt on Saturday, my first hole from like nothing, 25 feet. And I'm just like, oh, here we go. Yeah. And, uh, Rosie comes up to me, puts his arm around me, walking to the second tee box, and he goes, Bucky, he goes, just settle in, buddy. Just settle in. We're going to have a good day. And I'm like, did he really just come over to me in the second hole of a major that he's in contention? <laughs> it's raining outside, and he's worried about the 46-year-old club pro. I mean, <laughs> talk about first class, right? And, uh, and then I got the same thing with Rory on Sunday, you know? I mean, yeah. These are definitely these really nice guys. These guys could all be club pro. So all these guys right here, <laughs> yeah. they could all be club professionals. Rory could be a club professional in a heartbeat, um, especially Rosie, Rosie too. But they don't all have that. You know, I mean, I know a lot of the guys out there too who they'd have no chance in God's green earth of being a club professional. Um, they don't like, some of them don't like people. <laughs> you know, they like being on the back of the range by themselves yeah. and no one talking to them. And you know, and that's, it is what it is. Everyone's different. Um, the cool thing is to be on tour, you don't have to be Mr. Social. Yeah. Um, you just have to be one heck of a great golfer and that's what they are, you know? And so it's cool that we have a lot of different personalities. It's, you know, so it's, it's a cool thing. Yeah. It was easy for me to be very much myself that week. I don't know what it was, but the Rochester fans all of a sudden are starting yelling my name out of nowhere on kind of Friday and then really got going in on Saturday. And then I just started having a great time. Just make if I if I made a putt for a bogey, or a par, or birdie, or eagle, whatever it was, they went nuts. And so I just wanted to get that ball in the hole and 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 let them go crazy and have a great time with them. So it was so cool, man. Those fans. I'm actually going back to Oak Hill here in a couple in about a week uh, to do a charity uh, foundation uh, thing for the gentleman that ran the PJ out there. Nice. And I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go to the Pittsburgh pub and say hi to everybody. <laughs> What I uh, can see happening when you return is like f people going nuts, you know, that you're that you're pulling up. So Keep in your own city. words, could <laughs> right, right, <laughs> mayor him. <laughs> uh, in your own words, what is a block party? The block party? I'll tell you what. When I saw like three or four grown gentlemen with their arms around each other jumping up and down and doing a circle <laughs> on fifteen when I made that whole one. I mean, it was just like this utter, just letting it go. Kind of like what I did that week. I let all of it go. And those guys didn't care that they're hugging, didn't care if they're jumping it down. And, you know, everyone's screaming. And then there's that one photo of me going through the crowd and I'm screaming, <laughs> you know, and I just let it out because everyone's screaming. I'm like, yeah, you know, and that's that picture that someone caught. That's my favorite pick. Yeah. And I let it out, too. And I just screamed out loud with all these people. And I'm like, let's go. It was, uh, ooh, yeah, that party, man. It was a big block party out there in Rochester. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that if you so could curate one for yourself, you know, who, who would you invite? What would be <laughs> happening? He's on the guest list what, to the block party. Yeah, he's on the guest list. <laughs> I, I, I've had a couple of good parties in my life. And, uh, yeah, no, um, there's a whole bunch of these guys that uh, I look forward to seeing, you know, Rosie and Rory again in the future and, and just thanking them for what they did for me. Really, really special. Really special. But yeah, it's cool. It's definitely guys you want to root for. Yeah. One thing that I'm that I've been curious about. You talked about that. You know, you played in 27, 28. Uh, you know, tour level events in your life, and um, you know, someone at at the age of forty seven. You know, a lot of times you might think you might be at the tail end of your your um, you know the top level of your golf, but somehow this past year, you know, you've been able to unlock something and, and tap into something really special. Was there any one singular thing or that, that felt different or that you were um, like mentally you felt were in a, a better headspace all week? Or what, what do you think unlocked it for, for you this time and, and maybe not some in, in the past over, you know, maybe when you were maybe even more physically fit in your, you know, late 20s or early 30s? I've been fortunate enough to um, become pretty good friends with uh, Patrick Cantley and, and Bo Hostler and some other great players around here where we play a lot when they're in town, mm. playing with them all the time. It'd be the same thing, right? If uh, 
LeBron James was your neighbor and he's like, he'd come out while you're shooting hoops. And he's every night he starts coming out. He's like, Hey, you want to play some horse? You know, <laughs> you keep playing horse with LeBron James. You're going to get better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so the same thing with me, you know, me going out there and playing these matches against, you know, number four in the world, you're going to get better. You gain confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Cause every once in a while, every once in a while I win. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know I have it in me yeah. to do it. And so now I go out there and I play in these and I've played so many of them now. I know so many of the guys out there now. It's insane. So now it's like, it's not so weird to me anymore. Mm. Um, mm. You know, I feel way, way more comfortable. Um, and then that, that we could all kill them. I had a huge advantage that the, the fairways were running fast. So, right. So my two things I loved was that the fairways were fast. So my ball was rolling out a lot further than normal. And then the greens were absolutely perfect. And I, and I really could see the break on the greens. And like we talked about, the hole looked huge. Mm-hmm. The hole looked big and the putter was on fire that week. So it saved me. Every time I got in trouble, that putter came in and it saved me. So it was huge. Mm. But uh, everything kind of culminated perfectly at Oak Hill between the fans, my confidence, and then also, you know, how nice these guys have been to have me be a part of their games in Southern California has been a tremendous help. You're so right about playing with people better than you is such a good way to learn. And better is relative. For you, better is Patrick Cantley and Bo Hostler. For me, better is uh, like me. dead dog on the street. Like, you know, uh, but but no, you're like getting getting your teeth kicked in is a good way to to learn how to play well. And and isn't that such a cool thing about golf that anyone in the world can make a 50 foot putt for birdie? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter, you know the physical skill is is sort of irrelevant anybody can make that putt i want to touch one more time on sort of the the aftermath of oak hill and maybe after colonial too maybe one of the first nights that you got home back to southern california and maybe if you can paint a scene for us of like your first dinner back at home where it's just you and the family and it's quiet what was that scene like for you and what did it feel like to once it all sort of quieted down? Man, I, it's kind of, it didn't even happen in my house. It happened on an airplane, um, going to Scotland, um, <laughs> need to go to the, I was trying to qualify for the, uh, the open, right? I was into the finals of the open. So I had, I think it was 12 hours straight, you know, sitting there. There was nobody in my ears. I couldn't get on my phone. Thank God. I, I wasn't able to look at, you know, Instagram. I wasn't looking in. I wasn't looking at texts because all the way up into that point, I mean, it was just text upon text upon text. And I didn't want to miss Michael Jordan's text again. So I was always looking at it. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, just life had been so crazy. Even when I was at my house, you know, I never was able to sit down because of course I had my phone over there, you know, and whatever. And it was still crazy. So, when I finally was able just to sit there in that plane and look out the window and think about my dreams had, and, and it's kind of funny. I can't really say my dreams came true because I never even dreamt of, of Oak Hill. Right. right? I always thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to come down. I had these dreams prior that I was going to come down at Riviera in the, <laughs> in the Genesis against Tiger. I always had that. That was always kind of like, I could do that because I love Riv. I can play pretty well at Riv. And I was like, yeah, that would be like my, the perfect dream would be Tiger and I coming down a Riv. I didn't think it was reality, but that was my dream. And so (laughs) what happened at Oak Hill was insane, you know, but it was a major and it was a Rory McIlroy. But I wasn't coming down to win it. Um, Even though I kind of, you know, going into it, I was in eighth place going on the final round. So I did have a couple of dreams that maybe I, I could pull some something absolutely insane off, but uh, <laughs> I was very happy with shooting 71 the final round. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that, more than any, anything, it just I, I got to sit there and finally think, it's it's still to this point where I, I, I sit there and I go, did this just really happen? Is this, did this, uh, did this really occur? You know, I got logos all over me now. And, you know, I mean, it's just, I'm constantly reminded of it, but it's hard for me to really process it yet. But it's been three months and I'm still kind of, you know, I'm here with you guys and then I'm heading to, to Oak Hill next week. I'm doing a photo shoot for the the Ryder Cup the night, the day before I go. I mean, it's just, it's, 
it's crazy. But it's also a lot of cool things have happened too. Like on Tuesday, I've got, I saw this commercial of this gentleman that was uh, in the war and and was a double amputee. Mm. And so, uh, and how golf had really gotten him through, uh, you know, the hard times. And so I, I, I'm like, I got to play golf with these guys. And so I, 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 I DM'd this Semper Fi deal. And, um, so on Tuesday, I've got three double, double amputee guys coming up, uh, Marines to play with me here at the club. And like that to me is like the coolest thing in the world now is that I'm able to do stuff like that. And they're going to be stoked to come out here and play with me, which is I think that's the coolest thing in the world. I'm I'm so excited to do that. What a gift! Yeah, let's hit you in with some of the some of the the staple questions we love to ask all of our guests. Um, and we have uh, some new ones. Uh, we're just starting off with our our season five of the show, uh, so we have a couple of new questions we're asking. But the first one we got is, um, what are some of your favorite golf sounds? I'd say my favorite golf sound and I've always talked about is you know you're in a tour event when there's this constant buzz, hmm. right? And it's the blimp. And the blimps up there. And that's my favorite. I know I'm in a tour of that if I can hear the blimp. Oh, that's, that's, blimp. that's awesome. That's so true. And it's just it's, that's yeah. so specific. Any other time you play, because you always got it. You always got it up there. So yeah. I like the blimp noise just because I know I'm playing in a tour of that. I love it feels that. grand, right? Like you hear the sound, you look up, and then you as you're looking up, you can see the course, you can see the crowd, you can see the cameras. You're like, Yeah, this is it. It's on. That's fire. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention mm-hmm. all the generators and electrical equipment and <laughs> right, lights right. and everything. Yeah. It's just like there is a hum about this golf course. There's like yeah. it's just a drone of electricity around the golf course. That's so cool. Yeah, it's not quiet out there. No, no. <laughs> not at no, all. Definitely not. Wow. I love that. You nailed that. Great job. Yeah, for real. Um the next logical one for us is a, a GGT house favorite. Uh what are some of your favorite golf smells? You know, I get hungry for that hot dog at the turn. Hell yeah. Um, Nice. You know, when I'm on eight or nine and you're kind of getting close to that snack bar and you can hear them just rolling, you know, they're rolling (laughs) and they're just waiting for me. Yeah, that that hot dog smell, man. Some relish on that bad boy and that's, or maybe the brat. If it's a brat, I'm even happier. Mm, mm. I had a couple of brats when I was just up in Wisconsin. Um, oh, they were giving away brats nothing, at the turn. No, nothing better than a Sheboygan brat when you're up by Kohler. Double Sheboygans? Oh, man. Yeah, double <laughs> double boings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we 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 had a good time up there for sure at uh, Whistling Straits. But um, yeah, no, hot dogs. some brats or some uh, hot dog smells uh, at the turn. How do you rate the hot dogs at your club? Are they are they good? I never had the hot dog here. What? Uh, yeah, no, we don't have it at the turn. We don't have hot dogs at the turn. Oh. We only have uh, we have a tuna cup, chicken salad cup, and a chicken Caesar. Oh, that's fire! No, that's sick. Yeah, that's, 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 elite golf snack. Yeah, those are great yeah. golf snacks. Yeah. You came in, I'm coming around. I'm coming around the turn. I got my bag on my shoulder. Let me get the tuna cup and keep it pushing. That's fire. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. We we talked about this a little earlier. Feel free to mix it up or revisit. Um, it's a new question for season five. Do you have an emotional support item in your golf bag? Something that's been with you for a long time. Something you can look at. Something you can hold, smell, touch, use that kind of grounds you that that brings you that peace maybe after you hit a bad shot and you you look at this thing and you're like all right time to go yeah my two ball putter yep <laughs> that's it yep Knew it. that that putter Knew all day it. that that i mean i'll tell you what that thing it's done a lot for me and it yeah it, i love that i it, it's ugly too it's ugly love it yes the line if you saw the line on top i mean i haven't put a new line there and a couple of years. I mean, it's like, it barely even looks like a line. And uh, <laughs> I got to sharpen that up. I got to take better care of it for sure. Everyone's always like, you don't have a head cover. I'm like, no, I've never had a head cover. So oh. yeah, no head cover or anything. But yeah, that putter's gotten me out of so much trouble in my life. And that's definitely my, my one of my best friends. I love that. Yeah, there's, um, there's a moment in uh, full swing during Brooks's episode where he's lining his golf balls and his wife or then fiance asks him, you know, why are you, why are you putting lines on your golf ball? And he's, and he said something like when you're in the heat of it, shit's going South. Sometimes you just like something nice to look down at. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's a line on a golf ball, it's a line on a golf ball. Yeah. I love it. I love it. 
I love Brooksy, by the way. Brooksy was awesome. At Oak Hill? Yeah. I believe love what that a performance. Guy. Yeah. So, you know, you're one of the few people that have played in, in tour events that, that come on the show. But if you if you got your own your own walk up song for the first tee, what's uh, what's that song gonna be for you? Everyone wants to rule the world by Tears for Fears is what I play every single time I get in my car to go to the golf tournament. So nice. yeah, I mean it's like automatic for me um i mean i never listened to it at any other time like it's not something i sit in my back yard and listen to tears for fears but for some reason that just puts me in this good vibe and i've been doing it i did it every day uh at oak hill i've done it you know for probably the last couple years um but yeah tears for fears amazing Love it. We've, we've got a couple great song too. Yeah. yeah, it's a great song. We've got a couple tears for fears on the. Uh, we have a playlist of everybody's answers over the years um, of this question. So we'll we'll get you the playlist so you can rock out to. Uh, I like some it. Of the it's, it's a it's a great playlist. It's, it's a, a really banger. Playlist, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's yeah. That's very. Good. <laughs> um, another new question, uh, and you can take this in any direction you want. What is one of your biggest golf fears? Tears for Fears. That's easy. And I've literally had, I, I've had nightmares. I mean, I wake up nightmares, sweating, freaking out, um, missing the tea time. Oh. Um, oh missing God. the tea time. Either, yeah. Either either sleeping in or um, in traffic, not be able to get to it in time. No, that's a great But for answer. me, missing a tea time would be, and I've missed it in my dreams and majors. It's like oh. at the oh. open, I missed it, I know. I mean. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I think that's, that's a good follow up question. Would you rather in in real life, not in dream space, in real life, would you rather sleep through your alarm, miss the tea time, or be stuck in traffic? Oh, sleep through it. Stuck in traffic. Because here in LA, I get it a lot. Like going to the courses in LA. Yeah. Where I'm, you know, I try to get myself two hours and I, I get there five minutes before, but at least I've always gotten there. Yo. Um yeah, traffic sitting in traffic, I mean, I might start going down the side of the road. I don't know. Um, but you sleep through it. You're just like, Oh God. You know, I, one thing we did one time, um, I, I was playing in the Monday qualifier for the Phoenix open and I was driving from here out to Phoenix to go play in it. And I missed my tea time because I didn't know it changed an hour. Oh, oh that no. was the worst thing. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't realize because half the year it does, half the year it right. doesn't. You know, yeah, whatever. Arizona's wow. weird and, yeah, with that. It was they a need to figure year that for out. me to do that. Get it Arizona together. Needs to, please get it together. That's a great answer because yeah, I mean, even for the weekday, you know, once a week golfer, yes, you, all you look it's, forward it's, to it's is that yeah. that weekend tea time. And if you miss that, it's like your whole day, your week is ruined. But mm-hmm. yeah, I can't imagine. Yep. Like there was that moment where uh, was it Ryder Cup where Rory showed up late. That was at uh, Medina in Chicago. He showed up. I think it was like the last day of the Ryder Cup, and he showed up like an hour late. And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what, yeah. what happened? Yeah, crazy. Where, where were you? Being stuck in traffic on the way to a tea time is a specific Terrible. type of torture. Yeah, you just you see you <sighs> see is. the time adding on onto the map. Oh, and I you're like, it. this is that that, that, is that time is after my tea time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True. I'm in hell now. I'm yeah. in hell now. This is hell. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> uh, uh, Michael, what would be on your uh, champion's dinner menu? Champion's dinner. So what is that? If you win Augusta, I think that is, you do that. Yeah. Um, they do that. I, I actually had it one time. In 2014, I won the Club Professional National Championship yeah. in Myrtle Beach. And uh, the next year, they allow you to have a champion. They, everyone has a champion's dinner, and you get to pick your dinner. And my wife's from Argentina, so I had an Argentinian barbecue mm. um, that next next year. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so Argentinian barbecue for my wife. Damn, I'm starving. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Good. Yeah, I'm starving. Yeah, that's great. Um, we are very graciously sponsored by the good people at Red Rooster. They make a, our favorite golf gloves in the game. Uh, we have a segment on this show that we call "Get a Grip." where we give our guests a full uninterrupted minute to rant about anything in golf that is currently the fork in your soup the that is grinding your gears um so i'm going to give you a second if you need it to think about this one but what is something that is pissing you off in golf right now that you need to get off your chest get a grip 
I I don't like the fact that they're trying to move the ball, change the ball, uh, roll back. Um, I I I really I really feel that amateurs want to play what the pros play. Um, they want to know if what they're doing is similar and they can hit a shot that a pro would hit. Um, I don't think an amateur would want to be have an advantage to hit it straighter or further than a pro does. They want to compare each other. Um, I don't think that I don't I don't see anything good for that. Um, I think the you know. Nothing's getting longer right now. The balls aren't getting longer. The clubs aren't getting... Everything's maxed out as far as how far they can go. So that's not going to happen. Um, the courses, you know, if you want to make them harder, you just make them tighter and you get the rough up and you make the greens firm and fast, it's going to be tough. Uh, and if these guys are becoming much bigger, much stronger and hitting it miles, that's what they're doing. I mean, yeah, they're working out harder than I did and we did in my, my, my age range. They're just bigger athletes. I mean... Let them be that, and uh, you know, at all these majors, they—I mean, the, the the bunkers now are like two eighty to three twenty now, you know. So they've changed that. Yeah, no, because like a Riviera, Riviera is not super long, but it's still the pros' favorite course in the world, and they don't go shoot twenty five under there. Yeah. Um, but it's just a great course. You got to work it both ways, and you have to have an extremely good short game and have great distance control. But yeah, I would really hate to see the USGA RNA. Uh, bring the ball back and, and even worse if they did to make it not the same ball that the uh, amateurs went get a grip get a grip get a damn get a grip. grip michael block yeah. don't roll back the ball michael as we are a mental health podcast masquerading as a golf podcast <laughs> uh, mental health is at the forefront of the conversation and you know that's been the through line throughout this this whole conversation um with regards to your own mental health Maybe for the rest of 23, looking forward to 24, um, do you have any intentions for how you show up for yourself, how you take care of yourself in your own mental journey? I mean, I'm going to personally have to do a lot to not get too caught up in trying to play well because all these people are going to get on me for, you know, if I go play it in another event here, which I'm going to play in a couple more, I, you know, I just know that I want to, I want to do so well. A for all the people supporting me, and B I want to absolutely play really well for the people that hate me, even more <laughs> so. But um, you know, so for me mentally, I just need to not put all that pressure on me because you know it's hard. It's, I, I it's hard not. It, I almost feel like I'm a different Michael Block than I was you know four months ago, right? I I was under the radar and. Now I'm I'm definitely not under the radar anymore. Um, so I've got to learn how to deal with that and cope with that more, and not to have that pressure. Um, for every round I go out there, have all that pressure to go do something crazy. Um, I've had more crazy things happen to me in the last three months than I had my first forty six years of life. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm trying to just comprehend it and go with it and let it go. And it just the keep things keep happening, which is crazy to me. And so I'm not going to be that surprised. Honestly, if some more craziness happens over the next uh, six months to a year, um, and then I think my life will kind of start to go back and the plane will land, the cloud will land at some point, and I'll be back to on the back of the drive range giving lessons. But I'm a pretty laid back guy. If I get really quiet, I'm probably not good mentally. Mm. I'm I'm pissed or I'm upset about something or I'm, I'm too nervous. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm talking, I'm, I'll, I'll be good, you know. Um, and that's something I actually I did in that 2014 uh, thing where I won the national championship. Prior to that, I was trying to be too quiet. I was trying to be too tour prone. Mm. Like everything's like, we're office right now. Act like you're a work. Yeah. And I never played that great. And that week I said, you know what? Just be a club pro. Think every single volunteer out there, every single one of them. If you see a volunteer and they're 50 yards away, you're going to make that 50 yards and you're going to take that trek off to go say hi and then walk to the green. And I did. And you can you can ask them all. I, I promise you. And I've done that ever since then. And that put me in my club pro mentality hmm. rather than the tour pro thing that I know doesn't work for me. Yeah. Me being talkative is how I'm going to keep myself in a good mental state. And if you see me quiet, call me and tell me a joke or something. Get me out of it. All right. <laughs> we got you. That's great. Hmm. Is uh, that. yeah. Is is therapy a resource that you have ever worked with or would ever work with? Like, do you feel like that would be a something you'd be interested in exploring ever? I've had a lot of friends in the that are professionals, tour professionals who do, and it's helped them a ton. Yeah. 
me personally, I, I haven't done anything like that and I haven't thought about doing it. And who knows, who knows after another year of this, maybe I'll need it. Um, because you know, what's hopefully I, hopefully I don't stress myself out too much. You know, that's my big goal is not to get, not to get overwhelmed with thoughts and not to get overwhelmed with expectations. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully I just stay myself. And if I, if I start to turn into not myself, then yeah, I, 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 I need that or therapy in a way where it's like, if I lost my confidence in my swing or my putter or stuff like that, you know, it'd be a good thing because I'd love to, how, how to trigger your brain to, to be, and that's what I try to do most of the time is how, if I start thinking negatively, I, I've got to find positive things immediately. And so my positive can outweigh the negative and because it's really hard to think about two things at the same time. And so I start going super positive and, and I, I hate being around negative people, hate it. And I hate playing golf with negative people yeah. and even worse having a negative caddy who just, or is all they do is tell you where not to go. Yeah. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? I go, I don't want to know where not to go. I go, you just tell me where to go. I just, that's all I want to know. Yeah. You know, and, uh, that's, so that's, that's how I wanted my brain to think and, and to stay in a positive mindset. I love that. Positive vibes, po- yeah. positive vibes, positive intentions for the rest of this year and, and beyond. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's truly a good, good club pro advice for, for anyone that's out there, you know, working on their game, coming to the game for the first time or, you know, trying to figure it out, uh, as we all are. So, uh, yeah, Blocky, we, uh, yeah, we really appreciate your time here today, man. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. This was great. Yeah, man. You're, 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 you sit on an exalted position. You're kicking off season five of group golf therapy. So no, thank you. I, I I really appreciate you guys having me on and, Good luck and a lot of success moving forward, and uh, hopefully, maybe uh, this foursome we can all play golf someday. Yeah, Bra- tell, Bradford's tell in us your where neck of the woods, so we'll we just there. yeah we just gotta we gotta make it out there. Yeah, yeah, Brad's in L.A., so he's close. I got a golf course right here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, right outside. Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah we love right, that. Man, thanks a lot. Cheers, guys. Bye.